Janelle. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. I'm, so, I'm really excited. So we're in your office uh, here in Southeast Portland, and we're chatting before this. I think your company's been around. You started in 2009. Yeah. So you're yep. CEO of Living Room Realty. So yep. love for you to uh, give a little introduction to yourself. But um, you know, part of this podcast is just asking executives. You know, how did they get to where they are? How did they start their company? Right. And I saw a talk you had online um, from EO, an EO event, and you have a pretty interesting story. You kind of talked about how you started as a punk rocker, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's even the backstory behind that, but I worked as an independent artist, and then um, I had a studio down in Eugene, and I was making art and waiting tables, okay. and then some girlfriends and I decided to start a band, so um, I'd had some experience being somewhat entrepreneurial. If, you're gonna, if you think you're going to have a life as an artist, yeah. you're pretty ready to do whatever you have to do, but um, yeah, some girlfriends and I, we had, we had some guy friends who had a band, and we were down drinking beers in the basement, we kind of looked at each other. We're like, wait a minute, why are we drinking? Like, we want to do that. You know, why can't we do that? And so none of us played music before, but we thought, you know, one of us had sung in a church choir, and I had grown up playing trumpet and French horn. Okay. I was like, I bet we could figure it out. So we started a, as an all-girls punk band, and I always credit that as being my first experience really running a business. Um, with art, it was just me and my work. And so I was pretty used to selling myself, but having a group of people that I was working with and leading and having such a larger audience, it really feels, uh, like a, a reflection of what I'm doing today. Yeah. And more than anything, I know I don't, it's, your podcast can't see me. I'm pretty clean cut now, but I used to be in a <laughs> punk band and yeah. as well. And I think that DIY spirit really transforms to entrepreneurship. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the marketing alone. I mean, so we were starting with a band of players who didn't play. So I had to figure out how am I going to get people to hire us? Like, right. book us. Yeah. Like, we got to play. Yeah, and, yeah. and also, I feel like just like in business, until you're on stage, a lot of times you don't figure things out. Mm -hmm. You just have to be willing at some point. Like you're not going to perfect it. So put it out there in the world, get the feedback, polish it up yeah. and go. And so I think really specifically too, as a female entrepreneur, there are not very many opportunities that I had. And I don't think that women have growing up where they're really applauded for failing. And one of the things as an entrepreneur, you've got to be good at yeah. is failing, crashing and picking up right away and there is no better playground for that than punk rock music yeah. because the sloppier and the nastier the mess you make like the louder the audience cheers and that is really really liberating for like myself as an ap student that was used to getting praise only when something was yeah. complete and perfect and a plus yeah so it's it's a whole way a whole other way of being able to express yourself and learn and that's much more in, in in the spirit of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, and I want to unpack a few of those things yeah, here. Um, yeah. You mentioned failure. You mentioned you know being a woman in entrepreneurship, and yeah. I want to get into that specifically to Portland. Yeah. But um, you know, going from that just timeline here, so that you were living in Eugene. About what time was that? That was in um, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. Okay, so kind of how fast forward to getting into real estate? How did you, you know, get yeah. into real estate, and then? Um, yeah. Start your company. Well, um, so my band wound up. We were we went on a national tour. We we're living in a van. Got back to Portland, and um, 
we decided to to move here and I really wanted to buy a house because I just kept thinking, okay, um, you know, I play music and I make art. How am I ever going to have financial stability? And I actually had met another woman here in town who was a musician named Jen Augusta who had bought a house and she was renting out all the rooms and living in the basement for free. And so it had freed her up to be able to do her creative pursuits. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, the light bulb went on. I was like, I want to do that. And I actually, my stepmom at the time was selling real estate and I called her up and I said, I want to buy a house. And she's like, you live in a van. <laughs> like, I don't think you're ready. Yeah. You know, my parents just saw the lifestyle I was leading and they discouraged me actually at the time. Like, I don't think you're ready, but I, um, I, I had another girlfriend who bought a house too. And I was like, how did you do it? And um, she said, you got to make at least $14 an hour. And then you have to have this long of, you know, of, of, of work history. And I was like, okay, I can do those things. So I got myself a job. I was making $14 an hour. I had saved $7,000 for the down payment and, um, and did it. And it was so empowering that I just wanted to tell everyone because in my world, all of us were getting evicted all the time. You know, it's like, you played the drums too loud. I don't want to tell you again. And so here I was, we would go and do a show. And then I would get done with the show and I'd sit at the bar and I was just like telling my friends, like, did you know you could buy a house? And here's how. And I was really just so pumped on empowering all these other people to do it. And eventually kind of my stepmom winds up calling. She's like, you know, you ever thought about getting your license? Like you're helping all these people now buy houses. Maybe this is something you could do for a career. And and that's kind of how it got started. Yeah, and I love how it really kind of started almost a creative pursuit because you wanted yeah. just to have enough to like so you can do your art yeah. and music. And so you, I guess, you got in real estate, got your license, you were an agent for a while. And um, what was kind of like the watershed moment for you about starting your own company? Company, yeah. yeah. Um, it's so funny because some people are such like big, bold thinkers. Uh-huh. And I think I was just like, I see these little opportunities uh-huh. and I'm like, ooh. What's behind that door? But um, I um, so I got my license, and then I was consistently in the in the top in the you know top percentage of sales and my brokerage, and yet no one knew who I was. I didn't have much of a name because I was helping all of these people that you know I was doing you know, thirteen transactions at a time, but they'd all be in the one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty thousand right. dollar range. Like I was literally talking to this huge audience of people that I don't think anyone in the real estate industry had thought to talk to before. And no one was going to punk clubs at night. And yeah. Like, you mean like, yeah, hey, yeah. buy a house. <laughs> so, um, so I kind of had this captive audience and, and I was so busy working. And then as my business developed, I started slowing down and looking around. And it started to bother me, actually, that no one was talking to agents like me mm-hmm. and my clients. And I started really questioning some of the marketing and some of the stories that the real estate industry was telling because I realized, you know, sometimes we don't question it, but like the, the predominant myth about home ownership is that you meet someone, you fall in love, then you buy a house and have a baby. And had I waited to meet someone and fall in love, I wouldn't have ever bought that house. Right. I wouldn't have had the career I had. I wouldn't, as a woman, built the sort of financial stability that I had for myself. And so <clears throat> I just started getting really excited, actually, about this idea that no one was talking to this audience of people. And I was like, but I can. 
and I want to. And then, and then all of a sudden it's like that aha moment again with the punk rock is like, oh my gosh, here's my stage. Here's the people. And like, I want to take this whole market kind of out of the closet. Like, hey, like there's this huge section of people that no one's talking about that live here in the city. And um, a lot of my clients at the time too were starting to start lifestyle brands. And I thought, God, no one's really done that in real estate. I had a lot of clients who work for Stumptown Coffee yeah. and to see their success and that a lot of musicians I knew were working there and getting health benefits and having flexible schedules and able to buy houses. And they were telling a very Portland story. Um, it just really inspired me. It was like, I can do that with a real estate company. And I want to do that. And you did it all by yourself. You didn't have a partner or anything, right? It's another kind of sit from the punk rock ethos. You just yeah. kind of did it. Yeah. I had a really awesome assistant at the time who had gone to business school and she was about uh, 12 years younger than I was, 10 years younger than I was. And I loved her. She was, she was just like, well, why don't we start our own? And I kind of knew all the reasons why not, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and I loved that freshness. And, um, and so she was always kind of like, you know, by my side, like, Hey, uh, Hey, why don't we do that? Why aren't we selling more million dollar homes? Why don't we do this? You know? And I just love like, Oh, she's brand new looking at this. So brand new. Um, and so I think she was a big help in, in getting me to do that. And then also the birth of my first daughter that allowed for me to like, again, slow down a little bit hmm. and look at what I was doing. And, um, and then I had this watershed moment at my brokerage where, you know, I was, I, I had this idea. I wanted to talk to more people that look like my clients and myself. And I also have a, a real deep commitment to environmentalism. And it was bothering me that the real estate industry was doing this green home movement, yet we weren't looking at our own practices. And so it was a little bit like sand in your shoe. It just started to rub me wrong. And I felt a bigger and bigger divide between where I was at at the time and where I really wanted to be. And so um, I had, I was with my brand new baby at the office and I was like, gosh, I don't have a great place to breastfeed her. Now I'm going to the bathroom to wash my hands with antibacterial soap. Mm -hmm. Like this is a green nightmare, yeah. you know? And so I just, it was literally the antibacterial soap. I came back to my desk and I was like, Brandy, you're right. We're starting <laughs> soap, our own company. <laughs> the soap did it. <laughs> the soap did it. So, you know, it's like, it's sometimes it's all these things and then it's just the little thing. Yeah. And, and I had no idea what that meant when I decided to do it. I just knew I wanted to serve my own kind of coffee and tea and have my own soap and have a clean, safe place that was welcoming to breastfeed babies and do this business and that saw people in the community that weren't, you know, that weren't being celebrated. Yeah. So, you know, we're, you're eight years in, I guess, into your yeah. company. And, uh, one of the things I know is you're a certified B Corp. Mm -hmm. I think the only real estate agency kind of west of Mississippi. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. We were the second. There's a small, uh, independent operator in the East Coast that had incorporated before we did. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell me more about that. Cause I think that's, you know, especially in Portland, you see more organizations yeah. filing for that and yeah. kind of exploring that. Um, what's that process like? And what was kind of your, motivation to just officially make you know yeah. make it part of your kind of values yeah well i'm obviously like a long-term thinker i mean the fact that i bought my house thinking what's the retirement plan mm -hmm. to be an artist or when i had my kids it was like let's make sure the will and everything's in place and the b corp was really that for the business it was like what happens if something happens to me and i've started this thing like 
you know, how do I protect what's so important to me? And so it, that, that gave me a certain level of security. There was also this deep commitment to, from the staff. I mean, they, they do things. I didn't even have to ask. They would take compost home themselves at night. There's no real way to recognize that. Yeah. Like it, it takes so much just commitment and effort to do business the way that we do. So I was also looking for a way to officially really recognize, you know, my staff and their commitment. And I also really, I, I didn't want to say we're a green company. I mean, that should just be implicit. It's the 20th century. Like, yes, they're, you know, the 21st century. Like, let's, let's just work that way. So, um, uh, so it would, it, the B Corp allowed for me to like go through these steps and just make sure that we weren't just saying something. It's not enough to recycle. Like, are we, are we really walking the talk? And, um, it felt like getting a trainer too at just the right time in my business because we were still pretty small. And so it helped me. They asked a lot of questions and I had to set up a lot of systems and there was a lot of measurement and accountability. And so it was, you know, it was like waking up and working out with a trainer for yeah. that first year. And when we finally achieved B Corp status, I mean, I definitely cried. It was like climbing a mountain because yeah. it was hard. It was, it's really hard. And we've gone through the recertification process. We actually raised our scores. And it's something that we're all just so incredibly proud of. Yeah. So people ask me, like, you know, would you recommend it? And and that's such a hard question because, of course, like, that's how I want everyone to do business. But if you're not doing it because you don't – like, the, you, if you don't really want to run that race, it's hard. Yeah. You know, you have to be committed. But, but I think as – when leaders ask me that – I, I said, talk to your staff because that just might be the thing that really gives them some purpose and meaning. You may not be connected to it yet, but you may be surprised at, at what that means to your staff. Um, and when and when people who work in organizations ask about doing that to you know for their organization, I really try and encourage them. So it's like if your your leader might might not be on board yet, but you can lead that movement within your own organization. Yeah, well, that's great. I and mean, like I said, I know the certification process is pretty rigorous. So yeah, kudos to you. And yeah, so I want to get back to kind of the failure. You know, I yeah. see you see a lot now, just online, and it's just like about failure and how you should yeah. just get over it and things but it's not that easy right no. and i think you opened your you started your company during a time in the economy which was not great no. so i think there were some struggles there and, and i've um i know entrepreneurs who kind of refer to it and when they're starting their company and going through that as as the struggle so you know tell me more about just was everything smooth sailing or how oh gosh, no. yeah yeah of course not but um <laughs> No, and you know, in two thousand, I started thinking about the idea in two thousand seven, and officially, I left my company two thousand eight. We really officially opened in two thousand eight, but then didn't get our office open until two thousand nine. So, um, I went from the top of the market having this idea to oh wow, now I've finally put everything in place, and the market is totally falling apart. And I had a surprise second child. So I was like, oh, this is perfect timing. Okay. <laughs> Two babies and diapers yeah, and yeah. a brand new business. And NPR keeps telling the story that like it's the end of my whole industry. This is awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, I like to say it was like my Eminem moment. You know, just like I didn't 
it's like I had no opportunity to 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 fail. I mean, like yeah. I could fail, but I really had to make it. It was like, and I'm the sole income provider for my family. Yeah. So I was like, I have figured this out. So, um, you know, grit and determination definitely help, but I made so many mistakes. There's like so many mistakes along the way. And, and I'm the type of person I like, obviously I like change, you know, that, and, um, and one of the largest mistakes and failures that I've had oftentimes are, are around my own leadership of just, I get so excited about an idea. I have a vision that extends into 30 years yeah. And it's all so clear to me. And so I t- oftentimes will take action and the people around me, I have not let them in on the picture mm-hmm. and it's frightening. You know, I've, I, um, at one point I took the company through a total rebrand okay, and didn't really even bother to communicate that I was doing that to, to everyone that was here. So I was like, guess what? Like I was <laughs> Just, so excited. Right. I knew it was great. Right. But um, I I have failed to take people along, and so that is one of the big like learnings for me. And also that no matter how good I think an idea is, bringing people along, they're gonna it, they'll help you work towards making it even better, right? You know, and that's and that I you know is is one a humbling and and two is re- reminds me you know the, like go back to those punk days of like i didn't ever write a song by myself mm-hmm. you know i wrote most all the lyrics in our band but like our whole band made it happen and like the good hooks and you know and the places that was stuck all of that came from from ideas from the group and i have to remember that with these things too and now we have processes in place and and um but yeah, a lot of failures and a lot of just not knowing. And luckily for me, though, I think that not knowing's never stopped me, unfortunately, maybe for some people in my organization. But I think that's a better way of being than like thinking I have to know it all right. before we move forward because that paralyzes you. Speed. Speed is key, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. So, you know, it's a blessing and a, and a curse, really. Um yeah. 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 Well, well, to transition a little bit, and we were talking before we kind of started recording, and I know you grew up in Portland, and um, you know it's changed a lot. Yeah. And so, I always kind of trying to th- say through these podcasts, threading just um, people's thoughts on Portland. You're obviously a great. You have probably a great perspective of this because you're in the you know housing business, so you see the changes that are happening with that. And yeah. You know, what are your, what are your thoughts as, as things change? And, you know, obviously there's a lot of positives, but, um, do you yeah. miss the old Portland or? Yeah. Uh, no. Um, I don't. Um, I'm like, I'm so proud of the city yeah. and at the same time concerned. I mean, just like a parent, mm-hmm. you know, like I love, I love the city so much. I love the state. I'm so passionate about Portland. Um, yeah, I think that the thing that concerns me the most right now is um, is maybe the lack of education. We have a lot of people that are moving here who aren't from Oregon and maybe assume that we've always been this just wonderful, progressive, liberal place. And we there's some dark history in in Oregon and in Portland. And I think that we're facing a lot of issues around equity, um, housing right now, um, affordability. 
And in the whole city, everyone's like involved in the conversation about what we're doing moving forward. But I don't think enough of us are taking the effort to educate ourselves on how we got here. Yeah. And what are, you know, how have, um, you know, people of color primarily been displaced um, from what's happened here in the neighborhoods and gentrification. And um, so, uh, you know, I feel like we just, we actually just took our whole um, company on a bus tour on the Portland housing um, uh, hidden discrimination bus tour. And, um, you know, my, my aim was that here I have these agents, you know, you, you know, not as we are responsible we, it's not our fault on what's happened, but we're definitely responsible and we need to take responsibility for how the city looks moving forward and to make sure that we're using our voice to advocate for the type of city that we want to see. And, um, my, you know, my, my big thing's affordable housing. Yeah. I, you know, uh, there's a lot of measures coming in for like restricting on restricting rentals or, um, rent control and, and those type of things. I think those are, um, I honestly think there are a bit misguided efforts. There's a lot of attention in that, but that doesn't solve that what we need is affordable housing, a lot more of it. So I would just love to get everyone focused on like, how do we house folks? How do we make, you know, how we make rents affordable? And, um, you know, I grew up with a single mom, we rented and it was, you know, the only reason I was able to get the, you know, the education that I had, um, was that she had a, you know, could find an affordable apartment in a school district that you know in my school district. So when you know we were unable to live with my grandma anymore, we could live in an apartment close to the school. So uh, and seeing rents now and thinking back to you know my my mom and my family, like I absolutely know we would never be able to live you know in, in the same neighborhood. So, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. And I mean, again, kudos to you and if you're kind of you know, making that aware to your employees and then really leading from the front for your company. And, um, one of the last things I want to ask, and I like to ask this and everybody is, it's, uh, it's, it's different for everybody, but I know you have two children and mm-hmm. you know, you're a busy executive, you're running your own company. I think you have, you know, over a hundred employees. Mm-hmm. So how do you balance it all with your kids? You know, I, I, yeah. I was talking to one of your coworkers and, um, she mentioned that, you know, your kids are in, um, different programs and dance and swimming and, yeah you have long days so how do you keep it all together like is there such thing as a balance or i mean i know you love what you do but (sighs) yeah um balance is a word that it's actually one of our values here at the company and and the i we did an exercise where everyone came together and that was really important to the agents and that's a trigger word for me Mm. because i feel almost judged by it sometimes right like there's supposed to be this like equal equal or i you know or sometimes there's all these messages um about being a woman like how much should i be at the school and volunteering and you know and and being the person that's uh the income provider for our family and all of those things but um but i'll say that um one thing that having you know having kids and running a business has forced me to do is really uh, is is create connections in my community of support for myself and my family. So, um being willing to ask for help. Yeah. Like I am not going to make it to synchronized swimming practice today. Can you help me <laughs> yeah. pick the kids up, you know, and 
Um, and also having a really good team around me. I kind of think, I always think of like Richard Branson, like he, he couldn't, he barely read, right? He's right. got such bad dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And I try to think of that. It's just like, that's like having kids and trying to have a family and a life, right? Like you just can't do it by yourself. So I'm really strategic with my time. Um, I have a full-time executive assistant that um, does all of my email for me. And so really frees me up to be able to like focus in between nine and four. And I don't really work after those yeah. after those times. And took it took a lot of uh, it took a lot of discipline to to get there to just be like that deal will still be there tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I think that's <laughs> incredible because that's a in today's you know obviously everything we're so connected. I, I can't believe me doing that. I would love. I'm going to maybe get better at that, but I think that's yeah. tough for a lot of folks, right? Just, yeah. just to kind of turn off and kind of spend quality time with folks. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say I, I have a, a transcendental meditation practice mm-hmm. 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. And that, um, that helps like exercising your muscle of attention mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is important. Cause I, I can't get distracted yeah and so i do i am pretty i am pretty focused but i think you can do there's just so so much wasted time you know yeah. and i don't drink and i don't watch tv and i you know there's a lot of things that you just think that's not in service of where i want to be tomorrow morning you know so you you just the time just gets to be pretty pretty precious yeah well you're inspiring me i'm gonna cut back on my tv i'm gonna <laughs> cut back on drinking not that i don't love game of thrones i will say i do love game of thrones but you know well janelle thanks so much for yeah. doing this it was really great to learn about you and your company and uh just appreciate you being on the podcast yeah thank you